where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Things a little differently. Just imagine how he looks at hockey. Whoa! This is The View from Vitaly, brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite contractor. Tally with us on 101 ESPN, our blues analyst. You can hear Joey with Chris Kerber for every blues broadcast. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Randy, doing awesome this morning. Awesome Friday morning. How are you? I'm doing well. A couple of years ago, when it got cold here in St. Louis, you built a nice hockey rink in your front yard. Are you an advocate? Are you a devotee? Are you a lover of white Christmas? Or would you rather prefer it be warm and without snow on Christmas? Listen, as a kid, I loved the white Christmas. I think all the kids do, but you know, now I gotta, I gotta clean up the tracking of all the the, the, the mucky, snowy shoe coming through the house. So now I'm actually a fan of a of a nice, uh, mild Christmas. We had one about th- two or three years ago. I don't know if you remember. It was like 68 or 70 on Christmas Eve. We were heading to church that night in our shorts and t-shirts, basically, which was. I was okay with, but, you know, I'm an unselfish guy, Randy, as you know, and if the kids want a white Christmas, I'll take it. We're not doing the ice rink this year. You know, that was an interesting year a couple of years ago. We had, it was that vortex that came through. In St. Louis, you really need, I gosh, you need like the tens and the teens, and you needed to stay consistent for about, you know, eight to ten days to really make it worth it. It takes a lot of work when you're just naturally dep- uh, relying on the cold weather. Some people have these... Uh, these coolant tubes run in the ground. Uh-huh. Of course, that's very expensive. So you can have ice up to, you know, 50 degrees, which is awesome. But again, everything comes with a cost. But if you're doing it naturally, you need, you need below 32, way below. You need tens and teens for a long time. And you need that doggone sun to stay behind the clouds. There was times where the biggest problem on an ice rink, people don't realize, is not really the cold weather or being warm. It's when leaves fall on the ice because the sun is attracted to the dark, obviously, and it'll just burn a hole right through your ice. Even if it's 10 degrees outside, it'll burn a hole right through that ice. I never even thought of that. Mm. It's another science thing that I've learned. Oh, by the way, Joey, Andrew Marsh, who produces the Fast Lane in the afternoons now, he was producing our show a couple of years ago when you mentioned we had that 70-degree day on Christmas Eve. Marshy and I went out and played golf on Christmas Eve. It was great. (laughs) Oh, it was the best. It was the absolute best. You know, the biggest thing for parents, too, is, you know, yeah, I know moms and dads like to get their kids dressed up in, you know, dresses and all that kind of stuff for Christmas, but it was the easiest Christmas Eve to ever get ready for. We didn't need to worry about jackets. We didn't need to worry about snow boots. Um, and I didn't have to worry about my mom, my wife, rather. She she gets my son, Shepard. He's two. I, I don't know what it is about moms these days, but they, they dress their boys like in these dresses. They're called like uh, like uh, bomb, bomb, bombies or something really? like that. But, they're like suspenders with like high socks and like these 
like white shoes. I'm like, what is she wearing? Can, you, can we get this kid some Air Jordans and maybe like a pair of Nike shorts? I don't know. And he's like, oh, no, I think he looks adorable. This poor kid's going to be like just ripping mom in 20 years from now looking back on these photos. Uh, uh, Bombies? I've never heard of that. They're called like uh, not not bloomers or uh, boppies. It's like a – Somebody will text like in. A, it's like a boy name for a dress. I can't Bloomers. I would hope it's not bloomers. No, it's not a bloomer. I don't know. Okay, we'll figure it out. We'll we'll get to work on it. It's a stupid name that the moms got away with dressing their boys up like dolls because they think it looks cute. And the kids, of course, don't know any better because they're only two and they're not going to put up a fuss. Hmm. We'll have to take a deep dive into this. Not much hockey-wise going on, by the way, this week. Normally we have you on to talk hockey. There's nothing going on, Joey. There's nothing going on at all. Um, I tell you what, it's uh, it's been an emotional 48 hours. It's been ups and downs. It was one thing to lose your head coach in Craig Berube, uh, the man that brought you a Stanley Cup. And then you have to quickly turn the page and be so excited for Drew Bannister, who just got his first National Hockey League win last night. But you still got to be sad about, of course, what, what was been done from Craig Berube. And then, of course, you have – Jordan Cairo with some comments, you know, yesterday and before the game, and that kind of blew up in the Cairo gate. And then we heard booze from Jordan Cairo, and then we heard a, an apology and a, basically a clarification at the end of that game. And so that's that's what it was. So it's unfortunate, but uh, it, it is the way it is. And it, it did hit me. I just got a text from my buddy. I, I, whenever I talk to you guys, for the record, people are listening. My good buddy Matt, he helps my daughter with Bible. Romper! There you go. Romper. Thank you. It is a romper. That, there we go. It, it's called a romper. That's what like, what, what is she wearing? She's like, oh, honey, it's a romper. All the boys are doing it. Like, I have not seen one boy with high white socks and these boat shoes. I haven't seen one. I haven't seen one. It must be a southern thing. I'm glad we got to the bottom of it, but I just want to go back to what you were talking about with Jordan Cairo, because obviously that was specifically the big talk yesterday, and then we've gone over the comments last night. As a former player, you've dealt with media a lot, and now being on the media side of things, how did you think that Jordan Cairo handled those first initial comments? You know, I think that he handled them, I think, well, let's put it this way. If Jordan can go back in time, would he have said something differently? Without a doubt, yes. Without a doubt, yes. And now I think he sees the, the consequences of what was said. You know, when you're a player and you answer questions, you, you may feel a certain way uh, and you may say a certain thing, but just because you say something doesn't mean it's going to be an interpreted in the same way, if that makes any sense at all. And I think that, you know, you look at the players like Braden Shen and Jordan Bennington, you know, they've been around the league a lot longer. They recognize on these questions, you stick with the wheeze. You stick about talking about the blue note. You stick about talking about the positives. I talked to Jordan Bennington the other day, and all he said was it was a great run, and he was ready to move on. I mean, that, that's the kind of language that I think as you get more and more familiar with the media and answering questions, you, you do. You know, you go back to the question, you go back to the answer. I talked to Jeremy Rutherford right before the game who wrote the article and, and had the quote. I listened to the few questions leading up to the question because I think there's important, it's important to have some context behind it as well. And, you know, he was kind of being asked the same question in a different way a few, a few different times. And, and they were all good questions, don't get me wrong. And I think Jeremy Rutherford did his job as a journalist to, to do exactly what he was supposed to do to ask those questions. I felt as if Jordan Bennington, or excuse me, Jordan Cairo was a little bit rushed. He felt like, you know, it's a morning skate, keep, keep in mind. He's always on the move. He's not used to talking about the media. He doesn't want to be in front of a camera. 
And I think that he was looking to almost just like bypass the question just to get out of it. Like he just wanted to move on. That's how I interpreted it. I don't think there was any malice behind what he said, but he did say it. So there is that, there is both sides of that. So I think that last night, of course, he comes out. I think the emotions were real. I think he felt it. I think, you know, hearing booze, hearing booze in a visiting arena, that's one thing. But when you hear booze from your hometown after, you know, you were leading goal scorer last year, that, that's a whole different beast, guys. And I think that, you know, it was such a short time between when it was revealed what he said and then the game just happened right away. There wasn't any, any time for him to kind of get into the context and maybe explain himself. But I think he did good by himself last night. He did good by the Blues, and he certainly did good by Craig Berube. I think there's such a great respect between both two, and maybe just something to get lost in the translation a little bit. Uh, but at the, at the end of the day, I think it's a learning lesson for everybody, and hopefully they, everyone should just move on. And I think we should. You know, come Saturday night, I encourage all Blues fans who are there, drop the booze. This is a, a Jordan Kyer athlete who does put his heart and soul out. I think he cares a whole ton. He's a kid who's growing. Uh, and he still is a kid. I mean, it takes a long time to mature to become the hockey player you want to be in the National Hockey League. And I know right now he just needs support. And I think as Blues fans, we've done it with the Tarasinkos who asked for trades and ended up coming back. We've done it for a lot of different people. So I think it's it's our, it's our duty to certainly um, give him that encouragement on Saturday night. Joey, when you were uh, looking at that game last night, was there anything noticeably different from what you've seen? I mean, they played a pretty good game yesterday. I think the power play, Kerry, was, it, st- it stood out to me. Uh, right away. Uh, one was the breakout. We saw Tory Krug on a breakaway. We've never seen a breakout like this before. It was a drop pass where Tory Krug is coming out of his own zone. It's a five on four. They have the power play. He makes the drop pass to Robert Thomas. And as soon as that passer who makes that drop pass, he kind of just flares off to the side. And he kind of just gets lost and allows the puck carrier to now do the work. But last night, he makes that drop. He gets lost to the outside. And then all of a sudden, boom, he just takes off to the middle of the ice. And I think the defenseman for Ottawa certainly did not see that coming at all. And it a breakaway, which caught everyone apart. And he got a breakaway. Unfortunately, that puck comes up on end. He doesn't convert on the power play. But still, a really good look. End zone. I saw Robert Thomas take a one-timer. I remember more than two or three times this whole season, Robert Thomas has taken a one-timer on the power play, which is, which is crazy to think because he's such a shooter. And right now he's your leading point guy. But I think that he's been such a, a passer – there has been a pass-first mentality this whole season with the St. Louis Blues, but something certainly has clicked where some of these younger players now are having the freedom to shoot more pucks. We saw more one-timers. I think as you establish more of a one-timer, other things are going to open up. And, and that's, that's right off the bat, Carrie, to answer your question. That's one thing that really stood out. Hey, Joey, before the season started, Doug Armstrong said that he hoped that this team would be a middle-of-the-pack team, maybe the, the upper part of the, the middle tier, the 10 through, or, yeah, 10 through 15, 11 through 16 in the league. From a talent standpoint, is that who they still are? I think so. I do. I, I looked at that team last night. You have some really great pieces. I mean, you've got some really good hockey players out there. And if they're going to be committed to play in a hard style – like they did last night. You can't do it for you can't do it for ten out of ten games, guys. But if you can figure out a way to get it for seven out of ten, eight out of ten, and if you do it in crucial stretches like in December and January and put yourself in a good spot around that trade deadline, I think this team it can certainly make the postseason. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, they're right there as it is. You know, you look at correcting the power play. You look at just if, if you just stay status quo for everything you've done this year and just improve one area, which is the power play. You'd have four or five more wins at this point. 
you're maybe third or fourth in the central, you're in a playoff spot, and it's a whole different story. Maybe you don't even lose your coach, right? So that's how just one aspect can change. So I look at this team. They have the talent. They have the depth. And certainly, guys, they have the most important thing, which is goaltending. I mean, Jordan Bennington, to me, if you have a one-game, game seven, it's going to be Vasilevsky and then Jordan Bennington. Anyone else who says any other goalie are absolutely nuts. This kid is so competitive. He's always on top of it, and he understands the game, and he is going to be there all the time. So you got great goaltending as well. This is a team that is just going to try to get in. And like Doug Armstrong said the other day, you get in, you just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, if, if the Blues don't lose Bennington to an injury – a couple of years ago in that Colorado series, you know, maybe maybe the Blues win that series. Who knows? I mean, remember, leading up into leading up into the Stanley Cup final, we were the only Western Conference team that had beat Colorado in a playoff game up to that point. They swept the other two series. So the Blues were right there, and it's one injury. Now you get in, you sneak in, maybe you slide in that seventh, eighth spot. Maybe you play the L.A. Kings in the first round of the Dallas Stars. What's to say that Ottinger doesn't get hurt? What's to say that, you know, maybe Jason Robinson gets hurt? You know, you never know how injury is going to pan out, and it's anyone's game at that point. So that's the goal. That's what this team is searching for, and I do believe realistically it can happen. Joey V, always good to hear your voice. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend, and we'll be tuned in tomorrow night for the Blues and the Stars. Sounds good. I'm going to take a picture of my uh, my family before Christmas in the rompers. I'm going to send it to you guys. <laughs> All right. Love <laughs> it. See you later. That's Joey V on 101 ESPN.